Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Drop-In. We have a very special guest with us this week, Helen Wilkes. And before we get her on air, I just want to introduce her while she sits here awkwardly looking at me <laughs> and see what she has to feel and say about it. Um, so Helen Wilkes is a yoga teacher, a teacher trainer, an entrepreneur, business coach, a mentor. She's founder and owner of the collaborative Marubra, which is a community-rich yoga studio one of its kind in Sydney. I also have the honor of working there. Um, she is a manifester in human design, a Leo son. She is led by heart in all areas of her life and business. And anyone that who's ever experienced Helen's work or has been guided in her classes or been in her containers leaves really feeling the vibration of love radiating out from her and this feeling within of an internal shift toward greater alignment. Um, originally, Helen is born in the UK. She resides mostly in Australia, but travels a lot with her gorgeous partner, Neil, working and living life fully and reminding her community and her people to do the same along the way. Um, with an innate gift for bringing us back to the truth of who we are, empowering us to lead ourselves first and to live in alignment with our loving divine self, whilst also holding us all the way through these internal discoveries. She is a woman worth following. So strap up, folks. You're going to be magnetized by her energy today, her honest insights in today's talk all about a desire-led life and what untaming yourself in business means. We are so excited to have you on the show, Helen. Welcome. Oh, my Welcome. God. You make you cry. That's like the nice intro <laughs> anyone's ever given me. That's a... Yeah. Thank you. Wow. That was really, really beautiful. And for someone yeah. that... Knows I that thank you that was so <laughs> so You're welcome yeah. so nice to have someone read all your achievements though isn't it <laughs> yeah. um, you know that fav my favorite thing to do is talk so <laughs> podcast is really great for me <laughs> yeah for us too we're both um self-projected projectors so we're just all about the talking um I just wanted to say welcome as well I don't have a huge intro to give you but um I'm just as excited to dive in and like learn more about your work um I know Tanya has worked with you intimately in one of your containers but I haven't had the the privilege of working with you as yet so we're kind of coming at it from two different perspectives as well which is really exciting um and yeah I guess like for me my first question is like um where are you at your business now like where do you feel like the snapshot of it all is despite like what Tanya has said like is there something that has kind of led you to where you are now I know you you probably have a lot that has kind of brought you to this point. Yeah, well, I thought that's two questions. It's like what season <laughs> of business am I in and what brought me here? Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, yeah, I think about seasons a lot because I think it's really um, helpful and interesting to know what season you're in and also what season you're not in so that you can actually allow the season to play out and support yourself inside of it. So I'd say in terms of the season that I'm in, <clears throat> the season that I'm in right now would be really one of refinement and mastery. So um, I've been doing what I do for a really long time. So, you know, when it comes to kind of what offerings I want to put out there or 
kind of knowing, like really knowing what I do and the value in it, like I've pretty, I've got that covered. I know that part. I've been in business long enough. Now it's really about kind of refining a lot of my back end. So actually a team, having a really great team around me um, mm-hmm. and helping my capacity to expand so that I can really live out a lot of the things that I want to do. Because I think <clears throat> this happens all the time in business, well, in life really, but especially in business where we hit upper limits and we're like, now we need to either go and learn a new skill or ask for a mentor or employ someone to kind of help us kind of go to where we're wanting to go and mine Mm. is is very much not really about doing anything new but really fine combing everything that I do do and doing it well because I feel like oh my god this always happens to me bloody bloody old throat chakra (laughs) let it out Yeah, let it out, guys. It's going through. Um, yeah, you know, we get to those points where we feel really stretched and we start thinking that there's something wrong or whatever. And actually, we just need to do a little kind of check over of how we're operating and what we're doing and make sure that we're being supported. So season of business is definitely refinement and mastery in everything that I do. Um And I'd say what brought me to where I am in business right now, God, how long you got? Um <laughs> I feel like yeah mm. do you want a little to refine that I think it's nice to notice that a couple years ago you shifted from studio owner into coach and teacher trainer and that what was kind of the the process of getting there into that season and then now you've been in that season for a couple years like now you're in this refinement and mastery but how did you get there like did you have to figure out what your new purpose was? Was it big picture visioning? Like, um, yeah, how did you discover the purpose for that stage and this stage of your business? Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say firstly that I knew for a long time that, um, so I have a studio in Sydney and for anyone who just doesn't own a yoga studio or just any physical premise and a team, like it's a lot of work. And it kind of doesn't really get any less work, to be honest. It's always quite a demanding seven days a week, lots of people, lots of change. You know, it's just generally quite a consuming business. And at the beginning, that was a massive undertaking for me. I'd never owned, really owned a business, let alone signed a bloody lease of somewhere like in the middle of Sydney overlooking the ocean, you know, like it was such a massive undertaking. I'd never run a team, like any of those things. And so for quite a few years, that was massive for me. And then like we all all have experienced, like it wasn't massive. Like, yeah, like it was, but it wasn't like, oh, this is really challenging me. I felt like, wow, like, and especially for me personally, and again, I, I think that many yoga teachers will relate to this. Like I as you know, Tanya, love teaching yoga more than life. And I will advocate for yoga teachers and the mastery and the artistry of what we do until my last breath. And I felt like there was so much more I wanted to do outside of teaching structure. Because like you are obviously confined when teaching, you can't just give a random talk on what you fancy at the beginning, there has to be a thread into the practice, you know, like so, or a workshop or that kind of um, container, I really wanted to offer and share more. And so I had this just feeling like, on the outside, it kind of looks like everything's grey. And like, I'm so like really exploring myself, but actually on the inside, I know I've got another 70%. 
And I think this is so common for us, like, especially when it looks quite sexy on the outside, or even just like I, I would imagine you guys would be the same. There will be a lot of people in your life, especially when you're not living um, a life that's typical. And I don't mean that as a um, to talk down to it, but if you're not in corporate or whatever or not in an office, really, it's quite exciting. And people can be so yeah. like, wow, and that's amazing. But you can kind of get a bit trapped in that when you know you actually have a lot more that you want to do. Yeah, yeah you're just scratching the surface. Yeah, and other yeah. people, but you're doing great and you're doing loads. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. But, like, I know that there's more here for me. And it wasn't until I um, I went through significant chronic pain. So I, uh, the short story of that would be that I started developing really chronic headaches. And for about eight months, I was in and out of hospital. And no one could really tell me what was going on, but I was bed bedridden. I literally, my headaches were so paralyzing I would just be in bed in so much pain no painkillers would stop it no one could tell me what it was I was in a really bad place and I finally got a diagnosis a very scary diagnosis and I went on a massive healing journey and I kind of did that process of elimination where you go to I know every healer in Sydney I've seen them you know (laughs) doctor everything I tried it you know like it was amazing and an important part of figuring out kind of where I was and I remember there was a significant point in that because I was inside of that for like probably two and a half years it was big and so big like everyone talks about but it's not until you're in it. You know, everything's great and important until you're sick. And when you're yeah, sick, definitely. I can relate to that very strongly. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, like, yeah. everything in my life just had to stop. I couldn't do anything. Yeah. And no one really knew because I didn't know what, what was going on. And so it was a bit of a weird, like, secretive thing that I was moving through. And I finally started working with someone and I got a massive result and I felt so much better. But then I felt really confused because I just felt like, wow, like I've really been living a life that I thought was in alignment. How has it brought me to such chronic pain? Mm. Because usually you have these, like, you know, you're in a really toxic life and, you know, and then you have this awakening. And I was like, I don't really relate to that. Like that's, I have a studio I love. I teach, I love teaching. And I remember being. I think it sounds like it was like that seventy percent as well was missing that you were saying. It's like mm. where was that? Where was all the energy of that seventy percent going? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, I then knew that I wanted to do a yoga teacher training, and I felt very fearful that if I took on this massive undertaking, I get sick again. Mm-hmm. And equally, I had a really just massive. I wouldn't say distrust, but almost like a reckoning with my desire. Like, can I really trust what I want? Because I thought I was doing what I wanted before and I have been, you know, at the end. So like, can I really go and do this thing? And I remember my mentor at the time, I remember exactly where I was when we were on the phone, I was walking and she was like, but she was like asking me questions. And then I remember saying back to her, but what if maybe, what if the very thing that's going to be the thing that heals me is to go and follow the biggest desire? 
And I remember the time the times being like, oh shit, like maybe maybe that is the last piece in this journey. Like maybe that's the thing I have to go and do. And I I kind of put the studio down. It was very much in lockdown. So it's a bit of an interesting time where I kind of could put the studio down for a little bit. Well, could, couldn't, depends on how you look at it. <laughs> and then I just followed it. And I remember going through that yoga teacher training and yeah, it did just that. It really was my last piece of healing and kind of sent me on this other trajectory of being able to share so much of the wisdom I've gained in my life. Like I've been through a lot in my life and um, I just have so much to share and so much integrated embodied wisdom in it of big life experiences and adversities. Yeah, and it kind of just sent me on that trajectory. And then it, it taught me I could trust those massive desires that actually, if I was honest with myself, I wasn't really listening to because I was a bit frightened and it felt really big. Um, and that, in a nutshell, brought me to where I am now. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That was a big ride. <laughs> and I'm sure it's just like the the surface of what you've been through. Um, but yeah, that's like massive. Um, I can really relate to a lot of the things you said about just like um, I think you said something about reckoning with my desire and just like it's not a distrust but it's like oh I'm not sure about this this feels too big Um, this feels too off the path of what I've already been on like what I've been kind of working towards and um, I think that's really interesting and something I struggle with personally about like oh, but this feels so different to what I've already been doing. Like, how do I justify it, I guess? Mm. Um, If what was that kind of thing that, I mean, obviously COVID changed us all a little bit. So I wonder if it was just that final push that kind of pushed you off um, in terms of like doing the thing. But what do you find yourself doing in those instances where you kind of doubt your desire? Mm. Um, well I think a lot of the doubt actually comes down to us believing whether we can hold our desire Mm. I think think it's Mm. as well I think the doubt what you kind of created you were like this relationship with desire as healing for yourself it's like I don't, I'm reckoning with it. And then you created this relationship of, can this be the thing that's going to heal me? And you said, and then you created this relationship of desire equals healing. Desire can be healing. And then running that YTT, it sounds like you've developed this trust with following your desire because you got the physical tangible proof of like, oh shit, I trusted my desire. I use it. It's like been following it. It has healed me. And it has been healing. I've got some tangible proof. I can trust it again. Yeah. And so then I think building that trust, like, I mean, me having done it once is going to be tough, but then that might create a bit of a feed, um, support network with the doubt that then comes up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And the yeah. only thing I would add to that, because mm. I know that when we're starting something new, we often then go into the story of I don't have proof, so I'm not going to do it. Mm, yeah even if we've got proof in all of these other areas we start doing the thing of like yeah I know but that's not the same as this and so that means that like I don't know if I'm gonna do it um I would just say that like when you work with desire okay 
So first of all, if you're going to work with desire, you really have to decide that you're working with desire. And I think a lot of people like to do-si-do with desire. And desire is a force and a power that runs through you. And if you are truly going to say that that force is going to be the director of your life, you better be ready to get on your knees because it's going to take over and over again not because and, and you know we equate desire because I you know I, I say this all the time like it you know what do you want but it's also about what wants you it's not just about mm. what you want a lot of things I have tried to not want that studio so many times <laughs> it's hard <laughs> we had to close down you know like I'm like oh for god's sake and I'm like well fuck apparently I still it still wants me you know like yeah. No, but that desire is so strong, even though at times I don't want it. I know that it's meant to come through me. And I think that sometimes, especially in the spiritual world, we like to use things, concepts, teachings when it when it look like, looks like it's working out for us and it's nice and we can see it. And that's not reality. Like that's not spiritual practice. Desire and power is going to come through you and use you. And if you really want to live your life that way, then allow yourself to really be used as an instrument and a vessel and be prepared mm. for a ride. Because if we only ever did things because we had evidence, no one would break through their upper limits ever. And so you have to just decide that you're doing it anyway. And I think mm. that's really, honestly, the one thing that's really um, supported me and run in my favor is that like, I wanna live an interesting life. I wanna live a life that when I get to the end of it, it's like, fuck me, man, you did what? Like, it's not about it being successful and glamorous all of the time. like. It's not. Sometimes you follow things and you don't get an external success or whatever you thought you were going to get from it. And sometimes you don't even you know. We always go, oh, but it happened for a reason. Sometimes you've got no fucking clue what the reason even is to make it sound <laughs> sexy and nice. So I think for me, like following desire is a an act of devotion that I am committed to regardless. And secondly, like I want to live a really interesting life and I want my life to be undeniably mine. I don't want my life to look like somebody else's because I did what everyone else did. And at times they're the things that anchor me when I'm really terrified. And absolutely to your point, I, yes, pull on the other times that I've like, it's worked out for me or like I've trusted it. Like evidence is so important. And remember the evidence is built by taking risks when you don't know if you're going to get the evidence. So yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh, lots of juice here. <laughs> um, I love it. I have, a, yeah, go I have a question about just how you said, like, the, the studio chooses you even when you don't want to. And this idea of kind of desire ebbing and flowing a little bit. Um, that's how I interpret it, at least. Um, and I can kind of relate to that certain, you know, offerings that you put out at the beginning, there's this kind of oh, I'm so excited for this, like the full desire is there and you present yourself in the best way um, or the way that you feel is like, you know, translating that desire the most and people might show up, people might not show up or whatever it is and then over time the thing becomes sustainable, successful, um, there's a, a thing to it and it kind of almost plateaus in a way. 
I don't know if you've had that. Mm. Um, and then maybe you reintroduce something or something different happens. At least that's been my experience. Um, and, you know, how do you continue to trust that that desire still serves you, even when you don't want it, but the thing is still kind of calling you or your people might still be wanting what you're offering, etc. Yeah, so I think firstly, one of the most important things to do is learn the language of your desire. And how does it speak in your body? And how does it come through for you? Because it's very different for all of us. And yes. so for instance, and I think human design is very helpful for that personally, that's really supported me. Um, is like, so say, for instance, you said earlier, you know, um, when something comes through and it feels really exciting, like I don't really relate to that because I don't feel yeah. excitement. Mine's yeah. more like a, I just want to do it. It's quite mm. a bit boring, to be honest. It's just like, a, I don't know, I just want to do it. So I'm going to do mm. it. There's no, oh, my God, I'm so excited about this. thing. Like I just don't have that. Yeah. It's a bit matter of fact. It's quite calm. It's quite grounded. And, you know, I've noticed, yeah. depending on how big the desire and what it is, it has a few different languages. But I think knowing what that is for you mm. really helps you discern whether, A, it's your desire or whether you're kind of hiding behind an act of nobility because it's going to make you look good or it looks like, you know, whatever the thing might be. So I think for something like the studio, when I go, okay, well, 2020 to 2023, to be honest, has been a wild, very difficult <laughs> ride to hold. And part of me just wished I didn't want it as much as I do because it is challenging. I always ask myself like, okay, if we just cut out the noise for a moment and get out of your preferences, like what is this actually asking of you that you don't want to give it? What, what, what is this asking for you to cut away? What, if this is, what is this asking you to change? What is this asking you to actually birth that you're frightened about because you've been there so long and everyone knows it as X, Y, or Z? Like get sober. And I think a lot of the time we relate to desire as being a bit of a drunk tangent where we just run around doing shit that we want because we fancy it. And it's like, no, that's fanatical. Desire is sober and honest and usually quite quiet and steady. And if we can kind yeah. of come out of that fanatical, ah, yellow. I mean, I love to YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like sobriety of our desire it's usually because it's asking for something that you feel a little confronted about giving it you know like yeah. it's easy just not want to so um that's what I'll often do and I really appreciate your question around how do you know whether it's actually still for you how do you know mm -hmm. and I guess that's the that's the question how do mm -hmm. you know <laughs> I think that that's you know as you guys will know as teachers and people following this path like that's the work no one can do for you and it's really annoying and yeah. you have to be the one to decide that your life is going to be an inquiry around getting to know who you are and mm -hmm. honestly the more that you can stop resisting that and outsourcing that knowing and everyone does it in spirituality as much as they do it everywhere else like the more that you can bring that back to yourself and like I treat myself and <laughs> everyone laughs usually when I tell them like I think I'm the most interesting person on the planet like I am a 
fascinating mystery. And I love like tuning into the mystery that I am. I'm like, why did I do that? Like I would study myself until the end of time because we're all a universe that is wildly strange (laughs) and amazing (laughs) and weird. And I really value this idea of just noticing and observing why I do what I do and what happened there and really investing in that even when it's not sexy and even when it's really uncomfortable because ultimately that sense of knowing the language of my desire, knowing how to hold myself, knowing when to press the big red button and when not to is what helps me in those moments. Mm, Yeah, that's really cool. I like this idea of language of desire as well because it is so different for everyone. For me, it's not so much that it's an excitement, it's just like a knowing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I have to sit with that knowing for a little longer, like I can't just push the red button straight away. I don't know if that's your case, Helen, but, um, yeah, I just kind of germinate with it for a while sometimes or sometimes it's like all there, let's go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I do, and I love this idea of, like, we are this amazing universe to learn and explore and how even this year I surprised myself with decisions I made. And it's just like, oh, my God, I'm surprising myself. Like, what? And you just, like, watch yourself from the outside in and you're like, oh, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. And then how sometimes these moments of ignition come. And right now I'm in this moment. I've had this ignition of, like, I want to get big picture on my business, like, big vision, big picture on purpose, like figure out what is the purpose. And it's like, I couldn't have um, asked for that spark to happen earlier. It's going to happen when it's going to happen. And I'm going to respond. I need to be like in my body enough and aware of myself enough and my, you know, what's going on, understanding the language of my desire enough to be like, oh, that's the spark. Let's fucking go. And then actually but this is going to be a slow process because this is big and like give it the time that it needs and um I just really curious because you're coaching and you're mentoring people all the time in your containers like this is the work Helen does and so how do you guide people toward figuring out their language of the desire for themselves like as you said it's our work but I'm sure you give them tools you give people tools yeah yeah um I think firstly um as you will know, I really value working with people on a long-term basis. And I bring this up really importantly because um, I don't think importantly is a word, but you know, we're going to run with it anyway, (laughs) Um, is because we, everyone wants the quick fix in five minutes. And even the most, you know, people who know all of the things and know about being part of the process, like we want things now. And we want to invest in a mentorship as long as it's going to make us our money back in three minutes. And we want to invest in a mentorship as long as we're going to have 800 light bulb moments. And in in reality, like those moments come off of the back of really quite boring, long months of, you know, figuring things out and questioning things or processing things. So firstly, like I really value A, as someone who is a mentor, working with people on a longer term basis, and also someone as being a mentee. I've been with my mentor for six years. Like, I'm in, you know? And that has 
that that um, level of devotion and commitment has allowed me to understand so much about myself that if I container hopped constantly, I would just stay in the merry-go-round of the surface and never properly get to know myself through this eyes of this other person that I've kind of entrusted my time and energy into. So I just wanted to name that because I think it's really important. And I would say when it comes to um, giving people tools to know what their desire is. Um, I know I'll be preaching to the converted when I say like knowing your body. People don't live in their bodies anymore. We just live in our heads and me too all of the time because it's not something that you just suddenly like, oh great, I'm in my body now. No, you've got to get back in your body every single moment of every single day, you know? And I, (laughs) I often notice that even when we are inside of our bodies, we're actually just interpreting it through our mind. So I get people to do a lot of sensation diaries. Like, so I'll say to people, how did it feel in your body? People will go, well, I felt anxious. What does anxious feel like? How do you know that you were anxious? What sensation are you attaching Mm -hmm. to that interpretation? And so I really get people to get um, often annoyingly curious about how they actually feel. Like, let's start to understand sensations in our body and understand when they start to come up and what does that relate to? Because then once you know your body at that level and you have kind of a bit of an inventory going, you then start to really clearly be able to see what sensation means what. And if you think about it, that's all we're ever acting from. We get a feeling, which we interpret into a thought, which turns into an action. So if we can actually pull that right back and get really intimate with our body and the interpretations that we're having around it, that to me, honestly, is the most sovereign you're ever going to get. Because if you can know this system, then you you are in charge of every action that comes from it. So I would say that's one of the biggest things that I do that's a, definitely a big slow burn. I would also say like on a really easy practical level, I ask people over and over and over and over again, what do you want? Hmm. There is never a time when you are the most confused, when you are the most in your head, ask yourself the question, what do I actually desire right now? Yeah, that's such a huge question because I feel like if you're just starting off with someone in a container, it'll be very surface level and then like maybe it will change and then maybe there's the permission to actually say what you really want over time. (laughs) I don't know, that's my my thoughts. (laughs) Yeah, well, I guess it depends who you work with and Mm. where they're at. And I would say that it doesn't really matter your level of knowingness because it's as valid to go for the things that you think you should go for and learn that you didn't actually want them. And why did you do it in the first place? Like that's still a massively valuable journey to go on, to go like, oh, I didn't actually want that. I just thought that I should want that. Great. Why did you think you should want that? You know, like it actually gives a great entry point. But whenever I'm confused, whenever where I'm at, I'm just like, what do I actually want right now? Even when I wake up in the morning and I don't know what to do today, I'm like, well, what do I want to do? What do I really, really, really want to do right now? And can I just go and do that? And, and like allow myself, again, if I truly am a devotee of desire and I trust it, 
can I start to follow it even in the moments where I'm confused and use it like a, um, a compass? Mm. So I'd say there are a couple of the things that I do that uh, are layered. And when you do work with people, I mean, sometimes you don't even have to work with people. It can be obvious. You can, you can, you know, people can tell you and you know they're telling, talking shit. And you're like, do you really want that? Because you, you can tell me if you don't want it. You know, like, what do you really want? Go on, tell me. Go on. You know, and that's where it comes down to safe containers, being with people that you feel like aren't going to judge you, being with people that provoke you and challenge you and go, I call bullshit. I don't actually think that's what you want at all. Like, you know, being willing to be in that fire a little bit with someone to get to the fucking thing totally. is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you do have a provocative gaze, Helen. <laughs> I've been under it before. <laughs> um, I just, something I noticed when I worked with you that I just want to see um, is that you once mentioned that desire is this channeling from a higher source or a higher power or God, um, whatever we want to call it. And it's, I feel that that was really helpful for me to learn because it allowed me to trust it more because I'm like, this is, as you said, it's desire is a force. I'm like, I am the vessel. It's just coming through me. And it really allows to be like, this isn't me. This is just what is necessary. This is purpose coming through. This is um, higher good coming through. This is what the, the, the consciousness of the planet needs. Cause it's just like channeling through from above down. And I wonder if it's this, that gives you the confidence and the courage to just really like, Mm, go with the things that you put out there because I notice when you're selling you're really there until the 11th hour like you really really there and I feel like putting your your um, energy into something that is not of you but coming through you maybe allows that do you want to speak mm. on that a bit yeah. yeah yeah for sure so I truly believe that desire is the language of God and that you know, we, we've been taught that doing what we want is selfish. And I think doing what you want is the ultimate act of service to everybody. Because if you can really get clear on what desire truly is, and you know what it's not, and what you actually do want, that is your act of service and offerings to the world. And um, yeah, like I too, you know, it's so funny you say about kind of going at it for the 11th hour, that's such a capacity that I've had to build. Because you know, as with everything, things look so sexy on Instagram and everyone thinks everyone else is killing it. And yet the back end of everyone else's business is a humble fucking place to be. You know, like things are stretchy and uncomfortable and we're told so many things around how annoying we're being and what we think people think of us. And so that kind of going until the 11th hour is exactly it. Whenever I get too caught up in navel gazing, which I do all of the time, um, it's like, okay, you said you were going to serve this thing. So are you going to serve it? Because the point isn't to just serve it when it feels comfortable and easy and everyone's buying from you. The point is to serve the thing until the end because you've been asked to serve it. So are you a devotee or are you not? Like, and this is not, you know, I want to be really clear. This is not the same as um, uh, doing something when you don't want to. Because if I was inside an offering and I was like, fuck this, I actually don't want to do it. What was I thinking? I was totally out great, I just put it down, no problem. But when I know that's not it, and I know it's just because I'm feeling stretched and uncomfortable, I just remember like, get out of your head and remember that you don't know. And I think this is such a hard thing because we don't know. 
You don't know who you're influencing. You don't know what's being initiated by your action. And even if no one buys anything that you are selling, you have no idea of the ripple effect that it is creating in their lives. Now, obviously, that's not what pays my bills. So, you know, of course, we can address if that keeps happening, what's happening in business. But my point being is that it's so much bigger than whatever it is that you're doing. And we can never know that and we'll never see that. And it's almost almost a bit tricky to remember that at times unless you're seeing it around you, which is why it's so important. I think whenever anyone positively influences you, fucking tell them, like really stop just watching their Instagram story and actually reply to it. Like it makes such a difference. Like don't just sit on the sidelines because as you both know, following your desire and being an entrepreneur and teaching yoga is so vulnerable and it's so brave and it's so courageous and like go and tell more people who are doing the fucking thing like so I'd say yeah 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 I love that yeah I I can definitely agree that it is a vulnerable or vulnerable thing to put yourself out there and I think that's why just like it is for me personally like when you teach a class and you just are in the energy of the space of you know the yoga you're like okay this is why I'm doing it this is the reason I keep being called back um yeah and you're it's almost that that feedback of like okay I'm on the right track at least for me I don't know I'd speak for only myself the um, only thing I would add to that is it's like that for you now. But remember at the beginning, it was pretty much not like that. It was hell when you first start teaching. Because <laughs> when you first start teaching, you're like, oh, God, this is the hardest thing in the whole world. Yeah. What do I mean they're right. channeling? Like, what? And then it All becomes- the books laid out in front of right. you. Yes. <laughs> you teachers going, oh, God, I'm so screwed. You're like, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. At the beginning, it is stretchy as fuck, too. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. Tons- we've, we've definitely touched on stuff like that in our, in our other episodes, too. <laughs> Um, I have a bit of a question just like to add to the desire, which I think you've semi-answered, but um, in my experience, just in terms of desire sometimes, and I think I'm kind of moving through this in the moment at the moment, um, I just have like huge desire, Um, maybe that 70% feeling that you had at that point where you were like, I have so much more to offer. Um, And you can kind of almost see the end goal, but there are so many steps to take in order to get there. For me, I am one of those people that gets distracted by the other shiny thing or maybe has this impatience within myself um, of needing to get to the end goal Uh, in 10 minutes rather than five years Um, and so I just wonder if there's anything that you could maybe offer me personally in terms of the momentum of desire and how to continue reminding yourself of that rather than getting the distraction of all these other things that might kind of pop up along the way. Yeah so I would say that um, a couple of things I would offer is that You have desire. This is my belief. You have desire Mm -hmm. and power. And 
you have the thing that let's just talk in the realms of business right now. You know, you've decided yeah. that this desire is going to channel into an offering because obviously not all desire is just made for work. <laughs> it's for life. Yes. <laughs> right. So, you know, you decide like, oh my God, I've got the desire to like make this thing. And so then you're like, oh, okay, I think I'm going to make it. And then we often have an admission of power around the desire. And this is a really important part of the process. And this looks like you saying, or oh, this, I don't know what your thing is. So I'll just use me as an yeah. example. I say, I'm going to write this yoga teacher training. So I start like writing it and playing with it and ignoring it with it and then kind of going to go in for it and then I kind of finish it. And then there is a moment, which I think is really important, where I say like, I'm fucking going to do the yoga teacher training. I'm going for it. I'm going yeah. for it. That is an admission of power. That is me making the admission that I'm going for the thing. And that is like a massive declaration to every force around you to every person around you that you have decided that this is what you're going to do. And you can bet your bottom fucking dollar that when you make an admission of power, you will then have the biggest freak out of your life afterwards. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I don't think I can do it. Oh my God. And it will look like everything else other than the thing because we're geniuses at the art of distraction. I can't do it. Everyone hates me. I think I want to move to the Congo. I don't even know if I like <laughs> changing it to Rosanna you know like we just do all this stuff because it's terrifying it's really yeah. scary and the sensation that comes up when you you'll all know this when you decide you're going to do something good luck anxiety is coming to get you for three weeks right <laughs> and that's it it isn't actually anxiety it's power you've just told power that you're ready to go so power's like all right fucking game on and it is going to send it into your body. What do you do? I'm anxious. I'm scared. That feeling means I shouldn't do it. Does it? Or is that just power that you've given the nod ahead to coming through your body, ready to power your desire? Yeah. Yeah. It's like that knowing what the sensation actually right. is. <laughs> so I think it's really important to know these things because Often we misinterpret what's meant to happen once we've decided that we're going to do the thing. And I think it's really normal to decide, oh, I think I want to go and like, you know, do something else now. Like when that yeah. happens, it's loud, good. You probably just made a really big admission of power. And like, you know, that's just a sign of it. Come back to where you were. Yeah. Come back to where you were. Like, where were you? What was the thing that you wanted to do? Um, because that's that's what power and desire is. What was the other part of your question? It's just skipped my oh gosh. Um, I think I just said how do you keep the momentum? But I yes. think you've kind of covered that by just like saying the admission. The second of power. thing I would love to say though, around that, which I think is really important, is that the biggest, one of the most helpful things I've ever been told is wherever there is fear, there is disconnection from desire. Hmm. And what, to say that in a different way, when you are truly plugged into the desire, it will source all action that's meant to come from it. So if you are in fear and distraction, then you need to get back into the thing that you really want. And that might look like sitting with it, playing music and being like, yeah, what do I really want? Rather than kind of doing the cha-cha and kind of dipping your toes. Because when you, like imagine you've got like a wall and a plug and you want to plug that thing in. Otherwise it ain't yeah. in anything. So I would just say wherever there's fear and distraction, know that that probably means you just need to get into your desire a little bit more because it will become the power source for the thing. 
Yeah, I feel that. I'm my thing is like I'm trying to write a book, but it's been like two years and I kind of keep coming back and forth to it. And it just like I think it is that admission of I'm actually doing this. Um yeah, so that's that's Probably very helpful. <laughs> It's way with you. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's the creative process as, yeah. as a whole is just like Absolutely. You know, a mindfuck in itself. <laughs> I love what you said, Helen, about it being a power source. And like once you plug it in, it's giving you the energy to fucking go, like to go. And I think what we can do is then allow other conditioning and other structures and other people's judgments to kind of shape how then that looks instead of just trusting to let the power ride us and go and we start to be like oh but I can only work Monday to Friday oh but I should take the night off oh but I should go to yoga now or I should go exercise now or I I don't want to be on my phone this weekend and actually I think what desire like when desire is here and we plug that power in and like go we got to just go with it and then not let all these other kind of structures and systems come in and I really feel this is the untaming ourselves in business yeah absolutely and so it's like we've got the power how do we then untame ourselves in business to do it the way we fucking want and so I would love for you to speak on like what does being untamed in business mean and how do you do this in your business um and also like when you start to tame yourself how do you notice it how do you bring yourself back to authenticity mm. yeah um what do I think what's untaming in my business like yeah well I think the ultimate act of untaming is just doing what you fucking want when you want mm. like really like <clears throat> I think the more and I would speak I guess more to the spiritual audience because I imagine that lots of teachers and things like this listen to your pod um Whenever you're doing anything that you just think makes you look good or makes you look clever or makes you look wise or important, like whenever you're in that trying energy, you're probably not in your energy. You know, mm -hmm. like the more that we can decondition ourselves from being good little spiritual girls that do as we're told and make sure that everyone else is comfortable inside of our experience, the, the, the more we will come back to the truth of what we want to do and how we are. And... Um, yeah, like that is the ultimate act of untaming. And it's it sounds so easy. And yet, as we all know, doing what you deeply want is the hardest thing to do ever. And saying what you really want to say is really hard and really challenging. Um, and it's, it's like the forever practice of deconditioning yourself and realizing when you're inside of that and outside of that. So whenever I when it, how do I realize that I, when I'm in that kind of conditioning is whenever I'm thinking too much about anything, mm. whenever I am overthinking something, um, whenever I'm really concerned about what people are going to think of me, whenever I um, go into that trying energy, like trying energy is such a fucking ride, man. Like just, you know, you're in the middle of a launch and you're like trying to be inspirational and trying to look like you know about business, you know, and it's just like it's so easy to step into it and not realise that's what you're doing until you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Like if your work, if you are embodied in your work, this is why I don't really work with the word launching, as you know, and I really work with this idea of unveiling because all you're ever really doing is pulling back the curtain and just showing who you are. Like you, don't have to, you don't have to try and show anything. You are it. 
You know, like, sure, you want to showcase what you know and let people into how you see, but like, it's only ever a pulling back of a curtain. It's not like, how do I now show them that I know, you know, like, no, because if you are it, you just show them that you're it. So whenever I kind of go into that trying energy or I get concerned about what other people are going to think of me, I honestly just do my very best. Like for me personally, the best energy for me to be in is in a sassy energy. If I can get back into my humor and my sassiness, I find myself. So like going, like every, some people are like, you know, I meditate or whatever. Nah, not for me. I need to go and put on some like some sort of dirty hip hop song, you know, or like go and watch some like reels that are funny. And I kind of loosen up because I can get very tight. We all kind of get tight and it needs to be done. And, oh, you know. If I can just come back into some humor, which usually makes me quite soft and makes me come out of my head because I'm like in my body because laughing is the best thing ever to do to get back into your body. I usually kind of come back to how I actually feel and kind of get out of whatever's going on in my brain. I would also mm. say for business, whenever this happens, like put your business down and go and have a good time. Go out dancing. I think also for spiritual people, or, you know, soul-led entrepreneurs, fuck, we're boring sometimes. Christ, because we don't drink anymore and go out late, you're like, cool, what are you doing, mate? Like, it's okay, a margarita won't kill you. Or it's okay, go out somewhere and don't drink. Like, life can get very stale, very quickly on the conscious path. And me too, I don't really drink either. And I don't really like going out to the club at 3 a.m. either. But sometimes I have to really check because that staleness ripples through everything. And sometimes it's like, maybe just put the low cup top on and go and drink a vodka. Yeah. No, like I... stre stretch yourself in other parts that aren't business as well. Right. <laughs> you are just coming back into yourself will remind you of what you actually feel and what you actually want to say. So I don't know if that helps in answering your question, but um, yeah, that's what I tend to do a lot. Of. And I tend to just try and curate my life in that way. You know, like being around people who also want to live an honest life and, you know, like accept you for who you are or any, all of that stuff really helps you occupy that space more often than not anyway. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. Cause I think it's refreshing to hear, you know, like, as you said, like on Instagram, everything looks like perfect and easy and all of that stuff. But it is that kind of just that unveiling of just like, I'm just showing myself on another layer. <laughs> yeah. And I think when we get into trying energy, what we can do is just try more to, you know, that can be like, oh, I'm trying. So let's try not to try. And there can be this incestuous cycle. <laughs> <Yeah, again. laughs> it's like, just put it down. Go shake your ass. Come back. You're good. <laughs> A hundred. Yeah. It really is though. And this yeah. thing, like my mentor always says this to me and I'm like, fuck, she's done it again. She's like, whenever you're, you know, things are going to shit or, um, you can't get out of the loop, you know, like whenever you're really stuck anywhere, the mind wants to make it a complex thing to solve because it has to be superior. And in reality, go back to what she calls your bread and butter practices. Go outside, go for a swim, you know, like 
Go and vigorously move. Go and shake your ass on a dance floor. Go out with your friends for the weekend. Like all of this stuff, the mind just wants, and especially it's not just that the mind wants to be superior to. When you are well-versed in this world, I do this all the time. I think I'm better than it. I don't need to do that now because I know the importance <laughs> of it. But are you doing it? Like, sorry, when did you last go to the yoga class, Helen? Oh, you've not been all week. Oh, you're too better now. Too good for the old yoga, are we? <laughs> you know, like, we just love being so advanced in everything. And it's like, you're never too advanced with the basics. So, like, if, if you're not doing the basics, then you're not fucking done. Shut up, go and do them, then come back. And then tell me how you feel about it. And like me too, all of the time. So just remember your bread and butter practices always when you're lost in your head or you just don't know where you are right now. You know, like, so yeah, that's what I'd say. 100%. This happened to me a few weeks ago. I was like, I just need to write down all the small things that I can do for myself that make me happy and I'll just do some of them are like 60 minutes long some of them are two minutes long and I just need to know what they are again um Mm. because sometimes you just like are so in this ethereal space of not yeah of the head of the mind the only thing I'd add to that as well as practitioners it's not what you think you should do Oh, yeah, like there was no, a variety like, of... Yeah, like sometimes we go into this thing of like, oh, my God, maybe I should be a Vedic meditation. I should go and do that. You know, like what does what's everyone else saying on Instagram about what you do when you're confused? You know, it's like just maybe it is going and getting pissed. Go for it. <laughs> like if it works for you, great, do it. Yeah. I think this is, yeah, such a good reminder for our listeners. So thank you for that. Yeah, I love it. bread and butter. Take care of your human. Take care of Absolutely. your human. Absolutely. Yeah. In whatever way they want to be taken care yeah. of. Don't yeah. be so serious and contained around yeah. it. Like, I, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to kind of slowly wrap up, but we have two more questions for you, Helen. I think it's been really fruitful for everyone listening so far. So I hope they've enjoyed. Yeah. Um, our little drop-in question. How do you drop into your truth? Um, I'd say probably two ways. Um, I spend a lot of time by myself, contrary to most people that maybe observe me, always looks like I'm kind of like out and about and being all fiery and, you know, whatever. But I love spending a lot of time just laying in my bed in the dark, (laughs) just being by myself, scrolling Instagram. And I know everyone would say, oh, my God, how the hell does that bring you back to like your truth? Because I just like shutting the world out and doing something a bit mindless for a moment that doesn't need all of my attention and my, you know, intelligence. And after a while of just like letting everyone come out of my field getting out of my head because I've been scrolling cat reels for a bit and then putting my phone down, like I generally come back to the thing that that I want to do or where I am or how I feel about something. And in the complete alternate, just going and having fun. Like honestly, the biggest practice I've had for the last year is having a good time and being aware of all of the places that I don't let myself have a good time. We are so well-versed in suffering and getting through adversity and we all really struggle to just let ourselves let loose so you know I love to go and have a good time just go and enjoy myself and through that again I don't want to say mindless action but it kind of is mindless action because it's heart-led action I'm not doing it because I think I should doing it because I'm having a good time 
I get out of my head again and I come back to like the truth of how I feel about things. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so where can people find you and how can they work with you? And if you've got anything they can engage in now, tell us. Yeah. So if you're in Sydney, my studio is called the Collaborative Marubra. It's on Marubra Beach. It's a studio, a yoga studio. Oh my God, I can't even speak. What is it? It's a yoga and event studio. We run retreats, workshops, events, classes. Um, it's a really refreshing studio space to go to, I think, anywhere in the world, especially if you're in Sydney. Um, so anyone can come and come and see us there. It's open pretty much every single day. Um, I also run yoga teacher trainings. So I run a foundational yoga teacher training. I have my next one coming up at the end of January in Bali. It's a one-month immersion um, for people who are starting the, the path of yoga teaching. Um, I mean, probably this podcast, you either will vibe with me or you definitely won't. But if you want something really refreshing and honest when it comes to the practice of yoga and really being able to um, dive into the artistry of facilitation and teaching and using your voice and finding your gifts and understanding your desire, like that really is what our training does is a massive focus on facilitation and really taking the teachings in a very practical way and learning how to live them. Um, so we have a couple of spaces left on that. Uh, you can find that on the collaborativemarubra.com. And I also, yeah, I had to do mentoring and business containers. I have my mastermind coming up. So if you are a woman in business, um, soul-led business, desire-driven business, um, I have Untamed, which is my five-month mentorship with a small group of women starting at the end of this month. So you can find me on the Collaborative Marubra on Instagram or under the Helen Wilkes on Instagram as well. I think that's it. Amazing. <laughs> All Thank of the things. You. Thanks so much, Helen. We've loved having you here. It's been, it a, has been a joy. <laughs> an absolute joy. And Thank you, everyone. Go and follow Helen. She's at the Helen Wilkes on Instagram too as well if you want to check her out. Um, we'll talk to you next time, everyone. Thank you for dropping yeah. in. Thanks, Helen. Thank